Okay, welcome to uh, Parallax Lectures. I'm your host, uh, Tom Mark. This is the second one in a row of uh, um, new, a new format, uh, which we host on Parallax. These are lectures with uh, interesting people. We have um, in this month alone, uh, Thomas Björkman coming up and Raoul Eschelmann and Ansi Freinacht and a couple of more. But uh, this time, this evening, we have um, Andrew Sweeney as a lecturer and as a guest. So Andrew Sweeney, he lives in Paris. Uh, he's a father of two children. He's a lecturer at Science Po in Paris. He's a writer and songwriter. And I very much welcome him to this lecture. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Tom. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. Great. Yeah. Okay, so now um, you're doing also this Forest Philosophers events in Paris, in Fortinbleau, like once a month? Indeed. What is yeah. it about? Forest Philosophers? Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's a group of people that meet in my garden and we, we, um, we talk about, you know, things in the world and, and issues and we share good wine and cheese and we have a keynote speaker every week. We've had one so far um, and we're, we're going to do it every third Sunday. Um, so it's not an online event, it's an offline event. But if you're in, in Paris in the neighborhood, uh, you're, you're welcome to, to, to come by. Please be in touch. Um, the Forest Philosophers as a concept is based um, on, on the Gerd Chief um, movement, uh, which there's, there's an old uh, chateau near my house where uh, the Gurdjieff group used to have its, uh, you know, human potential uh, movement um, and... Wasn't it the, the Institute for the Harmonious right, Development right. of Man? Yes, exactly. Yes. The Institute for the Harmonious Development of Man. And, uh, and so they were called the Forest Philosophers. And, uh, and so I thought that would be um, a good title, a good, a good concept, um, you know, to combine this idea of, of the forest and then the high, high conceptual realm of philosophy that combine those two things, the earth earthly and the, and the, and the uh, you know, the mental in a sense. So this is topic driven, like uh, you, or is this like broad and open? Like what, what, what do you do? Yeah, um, we are going to, we're, 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 we have an emphasis on the arts. So we have a sharing circle where people share, you know, poems and songs and that kind of thing. Or, uh, you know, last, last month we had an architect who came and talked about uh, his project. Um, and, and things like that. I think there's, we're, we're kind of, uh, Joe, um, Joe Ross is a poet and, and, and he's, he's, he's sort of in charge of finding really very interesting people who uh, are interested in global change and uh, things like that. So, right. Right. But, but, but it's, it's something that's in emergence and, and we're finding out what it is as we go along and we're having a lot of fun drinking uh, wine and cheese so far. As you do and, 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 and friends. Indeed, indeed. But you can also visit the graveyard of Gurdjieff. And so right, always... right. When people come here, I, we usually go on a little pilgrimage to his, his grave, uh, which is just up the street. Um, right. Indeed. Okay, so um, you will have a lecture tonight. What, what will it be about? Okay, so this lecture is called um, Shamanism uh, and Media in the Digital Age. And it's based on a talk I gave at the European Men's Movement in 2019. Um, 
to 100 men in the, the north uh, of Denmark. Um, and, uh, and it's sort of, uh, yeah, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, uh, at the concept of shamanism or the shaman archetype uh, and I'm looking at the present uh, situation in media, and I'm, I'm trying to combine those two um, ideas. Perfect. So before I give you the floor, um, uh, you will have a lecture for like roughly 45 minutes, more or less, a couple of minutes. And then we have like a Q&A where exactly. we can um, uh, let the people talk and ask questions and elaborate on what you have prepared for us. So, Andrew? Very good. Um, ah, um, so, so have you, if you, I, I will mention it again. So uh, if you have a question, just um, text me uh, right in the comment section. I will um, enable you to interact. Yeah. And also I should say that we work together on Parallax. Yes, and that's this is true. The second, this is a second uh, series of lectures uh, and we've got a bunch of other ones coming up. The first one was done by Alexander Bard and I'm the second one. And then there's also, uh, you know, I believe a discussion with Lane Anderson and Thomas Bjorkman. And that's Hansi. right. Hanzi and uh, a bunch of other, uh, you know, very interesting people. Roll uh, we're doing a, a regular yes. lecture series here, and so spread the word about that. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you are my collaborator in Parallax magazine, uh, with whom that all wouldn't be possible. So thank you for that. Right. Yeah. So, okay, Andrew. So we're 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 creating this emerging thing called Parallax, uh, and we're we're creating the Parallax Matrix, so right. to speak. Right. There we go. Okay. So welcome to the Parallax Matrix. And I'll, I'll begin my lecture now, if that's all right with you. All Tom. right, you go ahead. All right, okay. So, okay, let's get started. Okay. So, um, first of all, let me, let me just, you know, give a little bit of background about this talk. Uh, I originally was asked to do a talk at the, um, the EMG, the European Men's Gathering uh, in Denmark in 2019. Um, and we were, our, our topic was technology and, and me and Alexander Bard have been speaking a lot about, uh, shamanism and what shamanism is from an archetypal point of view. Okay. So I'm not here to talk about shamanism proper. I'm not here to talk about anthropology. I'm not here to, you know, uh, I'm here as kind of, this is somewhat of, of, of a cultural appropriation of the word shamanism to speak of something quite universal. Okay. Um, so uh, you know, I'm not that interested in talking about, you know, California New Age shamanism or, you know, whatever ayahuasca tourism or, or you know, whatever's going on in that sense. That's, that's not the subject of my talk. My subject of my talk is shamanism as an archetype and, and the archetype and the relationship with that archetype. Okay. Um, so, and also I'm relating this to the film, The Matrix, because I think there's a very interesting um, series of relations, shamanistic, you know, there's, a sh there's the guy Morpheus, who's kind of the, uh, the, the shaman, there's Neo, who's the shaman in training, and then there's Trinity, he's sort of the muse. So the film, The Matrix, has more academic papers written about it than any other film in history, right? Um, and I've read zero of them. Um, I, I, what I'm trying to share uh, today is, is my experience and my ideas and some of the conversations I've been having with people like Alexander Bard and John Ravakey. Um, and in the media section, I'll be drawing um, heavily on an article by Jordan Hall called Understanding the Blue Church. So these are my, you know, my explicit sources. Um, also, I've been studying Tantra Buddhism for some time and I've met several shamanistic like characters within that realm. And so, so 
you know, while I don't really talk about my teachers, I, that's, this is where I'm coming from. Um, so the word shaman means uh, the one who knows, uh, the person who knows. Um, that is, he is the holder of the sacred knowledge or the gnosis, uh, if you like. Um, the shaman uses unconventional methods, right? He's not a priest. He's not a politician. He's not a conventional person uh, by any means, usually. Even though he may be hidden, he may be very modest and, and ordinary, and you might not even know that he's a shaman, and he might be the kind of person you wouldn't, meet, you wouldn't even notice uh, on the street. Um, or he might be just, just too wild for the, you know, for the, the ordinary culture. Um, he is a provocateur and he either lives usually somewhere in the forest or he lives right in the center of the most, you know, dangerous part of town, right? Um, the shaman is not comfortable in mediocrity, you could say. Um, that doesn't mean he's not capable uh, or he's, he's not pragmatic or he's not a very uh, down-to-earth person. In fact, au contraire, he's, he's, he's really the person, the most down-to-earth type of person you can find. Um, in the East, uh, we talk about the crazy wisdom master, okay? Uh, we could also talk about the primordial artist. We could talk about the medicine man. We could talk about the healer. We could talk about the master psychologist, the philosopher, the spiritual master, okay? Um, all, these, uh, all these people, um, uh, you know, uh, fit into this, this shamanistic archetype. Uh, um, the shaman uses what the Buddhists call skillful means. He uses unusual means, okay? He has all kinds of magic, you know, tricks that seem very magical because we don't really understand what he's doing half the time. Um, he might... Um, you know, uh, that's the shaman. That, that is, let's say, the master shaman, okay? And in the film, The Matrix, let's think of Morpheus. Uh, Morpheus as being the master shaman in, in the film, The Matrix. And let's think of Neo as being the, the trainee, the would-be shaman, the, the, the guy who, who, who is, has a shamanite personality. And I'm, again, borrowing this term from Alexander Bard. The shamanite personality is not a shaman. He's a potential shaman. He's, he could be a shaman. Um, he will be a shaman, you know, in the future. Um, and uh, if a very important point is that if this type of person, you know, so the shamanistic person, let's say it's four to five percent of the population. Um, uh, these are the people characterized by a lot of openness, trade openness, creativity, uh, radical intelligence, sort of courageous entrepreneurs, artists, sometimes diplomats, engineers, philosophers, people who are, you know, in the cliche sense, uh, outside the box. They, they, they not just think outside the box, they, they live outside the box. And, and, and they don't really, um, uh, you know, they're, they're not uh, able to function very well in ordinary society. Um, and, and, you know, but they, they happen to be very creative. So, What's the problem with the shamanistic case is if they don't have shamanistic training, if they're not educated, if they don't get the right tools, if they don't go through the right, correct process, you know, they could be, they run the risk of psychosis or schizophrenia or ADD or all kinds of things because, you know, the, the society will not necessarily understand them or support them. You could think of many people like uh, Arthur Rimbaud or Vincent van Gogh or Frederick Nietzsche or these type of artists who 
were sort of in the wilderness and they didn't have a, a lineage. They didn't have a shamanistic lineage. They didn't have a culture that supported uh, what they did. So, so they, they were wildly creativity and, and they sort of died alone in the desert. Um, this is a very important thing is like, well, what do we do with, with these kind of people and, and how do we help them and how do we uh, nourish this um, sham, sham, shamanic quality that they might have? Um, and, and also, how do we find their, their teachers? How do we, let's say we, we are in this four to five percent of the population, you know, we're a little weird and, and we don't have a teacher. Um, you know, how do we find our teacher? Where do we start? So, um, where do we start? We start with a muse. You need a muse, okay? And um, uh, the muse is the one that leads you to the master shaman. So Trinity is the muse in the film that she leads Neo to see um this guy named morpheus right who knows what the matrix is so neo is this kind of uh you know he's this kind of angry adolescent and he barely leaves his room and he he, he spends all the time on the computer he's kind of a keyboard social justice warrior or something and he's hacking into this thing and he keeps finding this thing called the matrix um in, in the film uh and so so uh eventually he meets this girl right named named trinity um her name's very interesting uh trinity why is she trinity well in this film there is a trinity of characters and they're the they're the main um you know movement of the film so so morpheus is the father neo is the son and trinity is the holy ghost right in hebrew holy ghost is feminine Okay, so the feminine muse is the one that wakes Neo up out of his disgusting bachelor apartment and gets him into the world, into the real world. Um, gets him, uh, you know, beginning the adventure of life, right? And, and how does he get out of bed? How does he get out of his computer? How does he stop being a keyboard warrior? He, he, um, he, he, he has a desire, he has a longing, he wants to know what the matrix is. Um, and he wants to know who Morpheus is. So he's looking for a teacher and he's looking for the answer to this like Gorgon knot of existence to suffering, um, to his own suffering and, and the suffering he sees in, in the world and, and the narrowness of his environment and, and all those things. Um, so what I would like to do, I hope this works. I'd like to share uh, just this famous clip uh, from from uh, the um, from the first Matrix movie, which is like three or four minutes long, and I've taught it many times, and it blows me away because there's so much in this clip, and you've all seen it. It's the famous pill scene, probably. I mean, you've probably all seen it, um, but I, I just I just like to to show it to you to to remind you of of you know. Uh, the density of of the ideas you know here in this film and by the way I, I tried to watch the you know there's matrix one and then there's reloaded and then there's revolutions these these films um and and uh i think the first one is is is, is brilliant and, and i can't watch the second two they, they just don't have the the punch that the first one does they don't have that that kind of archetypal you know power um in my opinion maybe other people would disagree uh they're too sentimental they're too hollywood but but the, the original matrix movie the first one has, has it has tons of ideas in it um okay so i'm going to try to share a sc the screen with you and i'm sh and and uh and i'm going to try to share this little clip with you um 
if this works, I hope. Hold on a second. Can everybody see my screen? Um, Okay, so this is uh, the scene where he is being taken by Trinity, the muse again, who takes him out of his apartment, literally, uh, to see Morpheus, the muse. And, and um, there's this beautiful scene, scene where he, he, she shows him a street, and you can see the image of the street here. Uh, and he's been down this street before. He knows the street, and she, and she tells him, you know, you can go down that street, and, and, uh, but uh, she shows him another way, another street, another direction. I'm just gonna skip ahead one minute here to, to get to the, the scene where he meets Morpheus. This is it. Let me give you one piece of advice. Be honest. He knows more than you can imagine. Okay, so this is this is a good good advice if you ever happen to meet a shaman is is that he can see right through you, right? He's uh, kind of uncanny in that way. So if you meet a, a shaman, you you have to tell the truth, uh, otherwise, uh, you know, he'll he'll rip you to pieces in a sense. At last, welcome to you. As you no doubt have guessed, I am Morpheus. It's an honor to meet you. No, the honor is mine. Please, come, sit. I imagine that right now you're feeling a bit like Alice. Tumbling down the rabbit hole, hmm? You could say that. I can see it in your eyes. You have the look of a man who accepts what he sees because he is expecting to wake up. Ironically, this is not far from the truth. Do you believe in fate, Neil? No. Why not? Because I don't like the idea that I'm not in control of my life. I know exactly what you mean. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here because you know something. What you know you can't explain, but you feel it. You felt it your entire life, that there's something wrong with the world. You don't know what it is, but it's there like a splinter in your mind, driving you mad. Okay, so this is very interesting. Um, uh, so he's had this feeling that there's something wrong with the world, right? This, this, this dissatisfaction, what the Buddhists call dukkha, right? This profound, like, uh, you know, feeling that there's something wrong. And that's actually the beginning of the cure, right? That's the beginning of his liberation, right? Is the sense that there's something wrong with the world. Right. And then the next part, you know, in the Buddha's Four Noble Truths, the next part is that there is, there is, uh, you know, there's a, there's a reason why, why um, there's a cause for what's wrong with the world. And the cause of what's wrong with the world is the matrix, right? 
okay? It's this world of Maya, this world of illusion, this world that's covering up your eyes that you can't see. Um, um, and then the third noble truth is there's, you know, there's, you know, there's a way out of the matrix, you know, there is actually a way out of the matrix, even though it, it would seem that, that, that we're completely trapped in this, you know, conditioned reality, like, you know, we're puppets, but there is a way out of the matrix. Uh, and, and then, and then he proceeds to give him the way out of the matrix, right? He, he begins his journey, uh, you know, out, out of the matrix. And that's the first, you know, the Buddha's four noble truths, right? In this, in this little scene. It is this feeling that has brought you to me. Do you know what I'm talking about? The Matrix. Do you want to know what it is? The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. Even now in this very room. You can see it when you look out your window or when you turn on your television. You can feel it when you go to work, when you go to church, when you pay your taxes. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What truth? That you are a slave, Neo. Like everyone else, you were born into bondage, born into a prison that you cannot smell or taste or touch. A prison for your mind. <sighs> Unfortunately, no one can be told what the Matrix is. You have to see it for yourself. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. Okay, so that's that's the famous uh, red pill scene. Um, second one, and. Uh, and there's, there's a lot there. I mean, on one, um, there's a, there's a simple, you know, um, and there's a very, a very simple thing going on there. It's like, it's a choice. It's a choice between staying awake or falling asleep. Uh, it's, and we, ha we, we make this choice all the time, every day in our lives. We decide whether we're going to read a book of philosophy or we're going to, you know, watch Netflix. Uh, you know, we decide whether we're going to remain in this sleepy state or we're going to do something challenging and, and that will, you know, wake us up and make us feel, feel alive. Um, it's basically, you know, the, the choice between a life, uh, uh, you know, a conscious life or, 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 or a life where we're completely conditioned, where we're just sort of, um, you know, uh, puppets and uh, in, in a program.
Um, uh, so we all have our conditioning. We all have our program that's much deeper than we think. And there are moments of glitches in the matrix when we can, we, we find little red pills where we can, we can break out of that, that programmation. Um, so, so we have, you know, we have these three characters. We have uh, Trinity, who is the muse, you know, in my formulation, um, who wakes up this longing in, in Neo. We have uh, Morpheus, who's the master shaman. And, and then we have Neo, who's, who's the, you know, the pilgrim in search of the truth. What is interesting, what we should always remember also is that the shaman is also in search of the student. So the, the master is in search of the student and the student is in search of the master. Um, so they're both searching for each other, you know. Morpheus says he's been searching for Neo his whole life. Um, and because uh, Neo is, Neo is the new man. Neo means new man, the savior, the one that's going to, you know, free the world from the uh, matrix. He's the Messiah, you could say. He's the Messiah figure. Um, he's the messianic principle, okay? And, and, uh, and, and the whole film is about testing him, <clears throat> see whether... You know, testing his ego, testing his skills, testing his um, abilities and strength, uh, etc. I'm still sharing the screen. I want to turn that off. Sorry, everybody. Okay. Um, so, um, some people, you know, say the Matrix is sort of like the Platonic myth. I was talking to John Verveke and he says, you know, it's just the Platonic myth, right, with some cool martial arts. Um, but there's a difference, and the difference is that in the Platonic myth, the person who goes outside the cave, outside the world of illusion, outside the matrix, he finds the sunlight. Whereas what happens to Neo when he wakes up? Um, he finds hell, <laughs> right? He finds that the world is not uh, what it's like, uh, like. He finds the desert of the real, okay? This is this uh, phrase from Baudrillard. Um, and the real is a shock. The, the, the red pill becomes a shock. The real is, is, a, is a destruction of his identity and of his vision of the world. And, and he has to kind of start from the beginning again. Um, he has to have a completely new, new life. So he's, he's taken a radical step by, by taking the red pill. Um, uh, and that radical step means he has to leave behind his, his old world. He, he can't go down that road, uh, anymore. Um, right. So there's also something interesting here that Morpheus says, he says, he says, I can't tell you what the matrix is. You have to experience it for yourself. So in other words, the matrix is it's not theoretical, philosophical knowledge. It's actual, you know, experiential knowledge, right? Um, you can't know what it is to have sex by watching porn, <laughs> right? You can't know what it is to, uh, even, uh, even by reading the Karma Sutra, by studying all the positions, you have to actually do it to know what it is. You have to, you know, dive in the, this reality. Um, so, so you can't know what the matrix is um, unless you've taken this radical leap. Um, and the radical leap is, is the acknowledgement of the suffering, uh, realizing that you're living in a dream world. Morpheus tells Neo, you're, you've been living in a dream world, right? That, and that your life, you know, as it is right now, is, is not so, so great. It's like your life kind of sucks. 
um, you're living in this gray, narrow world, then there's much, much, there's something else, there's more, there's, there's more potential, possibility, etc. right? But first, this desolation. Um, first, you find out the desert of the real. Um, so Neo discovers, right, that, that, you know, he goes through this, <clears throat> the classical symptoms of mourning. He goes through denial. He says, ah, oh, this can't be happening. This can't be really, you know, um, this can't be happening to me. When he goes in the matrix, he finds that he's in the future, right? And that the AI <laughs> uh, machines have taken over human beings and turned them into living batteries and, and, and that the world has been totally destroyed. And you see this landscape of ruin, um, everywhere. Um, and it's, it's, it's like uh, what happens when you discover that your wife has been sleeping with your best friend for 25 years or, you know, or you discover that, um, you know, California wildfires sweep away your house or uh, your child dies or there's a global pandemic, right? You experience a, a shock of the real, right? And this is what's happening to Neo, this, this shock of the real, which leads, first of all, to like, Denial, it's not happening. Then depression, right? You can't get out of bed and you just sit there like a zombie for days, you know, watching Netflix. And then you, you go through the negotiation stage where I say, okay, I've, I've come to terms with this reality and I have to do something. What am I going to do? And, and then finally you, you, you become ready for the path to recovery and empowerment and you become a badass martial artist or... You know, you, you clean up your room in the Jordan Peterson <laughs> formulation, right? So um, you begin the path to, to, to reality, uh, in a sense. Um, so Neo's experience uh, of breaking, uh, you know, uh, of taking the red pill is, is not, not, plain, not pleasant, not painful. And, um, and it... it, it there's there's a realism there's there's a there's a there's a, there's a courage to face that that kind of pain and and to do something about it um okay and so this is the beginning of neo's shamanistic training you know when he's gone through all that depression and all that anger and all that denial and all that self-hatred and all this you know and then uh, he wakes up one day and he says okay you know you know i'm sick of this i gotta do something i gotta i gotta save the world right um, he becomes a bodhisattva. Um, I'm sorry to use so many Buddhist terms here, but you know, it's just the tradition that I've been trained in. Uh, I, I, this is a universal thing. You know, the bodhisattva is no longer this self-interest, narcissistic adolescent anymore. He's suddenly uh, somebody who wants to save the world. You know, he's a, um, uh, he's, he has an altruistic vision and and he he's he has a radical altruistic vision, right? He, he wants to, to to save all sentient beings, okay? Which means which means destroying the matrix, right? Destroying this world of illusion, so that people can experience reality. All right. So, what does this have to do with media? So we've talked a little bit about the shamanistic journey um, in reference to uh, the, the first Matrix film. Um, and now I want to just talk about, you know, about media. So media is the matrix, right? Media is this world of messages, this world of illusions, this world of ideology, this world of, you know, it's, it's the world of that, that is communicating. The medium is the message, Marshall McLuhan said. In other words, we create the medium, which is the internet, and then the internet creates us. And we have this, this kind of, um, you know, cycle of, of, 
you know, uh, we create the, the Frankenstein's monster and then, and then, and then we have to figure out what to do with it. <laughs> I guess I'm mixing metaphors here a little bit, but I think you get the idea. So some of you might have read Jordan Hall's uh, essay called Understanding the Blue Church, um, which I think it's a classic essay at this point. At least he's introduced a vocabulary into the world, which I think people of genius do. They, they give us a vocabulary. Um, and he talks about the blue church and now everybody, a lot of people I know in these circles speak of this as if, you know, it's a kind of code word for something. We know what it is. And the, the, the blue church is broadcast media. It's 20th century media. It's mainstream media. Um, and it, it's not only that, it's all of the good opinion, all of the, um, you know, the, 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 it's a church because it's an ideology. It's all that like behavioral modes that you're supposed to, ways you're supposed to think and behave within that, uh, within that realm. Okay. And a red pill event happens when, when that sort of, you know, when all of those, when those conditions and, and, and that good opinion, it, it kind of starts to, to fall apart. It starts to collapse, which happens when we have a new media right? When we have a new matrix, right? We have the 20th century matrix and it's kind of running on, on empty and it's kind of, uh, it's kind of revealed itself to be very cynical. And then we have this re revolutionary new thing called the internet, uh -huh, which has the potential to become just another form of control, right? Because the matrix is control, right? That's uh, Morpheus says the matrix is control. The matrix is also the mother, right? This, um, the matrix, right? Is, is the, the mother, there's different etymologies of this word, which are very interesting. Um, so there's this mass media uh, broadcasting, which is, um, you know, which is uh, asymmetrical in the sense that it privileges one-way communication. Um, it speaks and you listen. Um, it's traditional radio, TV, you know, it's based on the factory model. It's, it's very 20th century and it has a narrow bandwidth. It, it has um, its messages are, are, are quite simple and ordered and, and it, it does a good job at keeping everybody in control. Um, and it does a good job at making you feel secure. Um, but eventually it sort of makes you feel, uh, you know, makes you go, puts you to sleep. So, so broadcast media, it was once, you know, a radical new way of disseminating information and, um, but today it's, it's become really about, about, about control. Uh, it's almost a, a conservative mentality, even if it seems to be very liberal and, uh, and all that. Um, so you have the, the, the blue church and then you have the red religion and the blue church is broadcast media and the red religion is YouTube. You know, uh, it's, it's, it's what we're doing right now. We're sort of engaged in this chaotic new zoom medium and we don't really know what we're doing but it's kind of interesting and, and it's long form and and, it, and it's wild and it's got some life in it and it's got also the potential um to open up new uh, a more symmetrical mode of communication where you know i'm not just giving a lecture here you, you, we have a q a we can we can speak to each other you you're talking in the chat so it's no longer it's no longer symmetrical asymmetrical communication it's it's a more has a potential to be a more symmetrical uh, medium and but at the same time it's chaotic it's dangerous it's revolutionary um and it could it could create something much much worse than the blue church a new form of, of totalitarianist control right um so 
because the internet is like, you know, the matrix is also like God, right? It's like our modern God. The, the internet is our modern God or modern matrix. It's everywhere, omnipresent. And we're all dependent on it. We're all trapped on it. We all, we all live and die by, by what, what, it, what it, it says. It's, it's our way of, of, it's the umbilical cord <laughs> that we have to, to each other uh, these days uh, uh, for, for good or ill. Um, so, um, so the red religion is the new media and, uh, um, and it has, you know, that has I, the beginning of the revolution. It's just like, there's this talk about self-organization. We're going to self-organize. We're going to create the utopia. Um, it's, it, there's this message of hope and freedom and, and, uh, you know, more democracy. And then as, as we can see that things get very dark and, and actually, um, we have the rise of, you know, populism, mass surveillance, Donald Trump, unpredictable events. Uh, you know, it, it seems, it seems very, that there's all this utopian possibility and then, and then it gets dark. Um, cause the problem with the red religion and the red pill in general is that, is that it's, it's chaotic and fragmented. Um, it's like the Tower of Babel or, or, you know, everybody is talking, but who should we listen to? People are more tribal, they're more hostile. All this unity that the Blue Church one pro once provided, right? Security uh, has been broken. So there's, 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 there's a certain kind of incoherence and it's hard to know what is true and what is bullshit. And uh, on the other hand, maybe our collective lives are becoming more transparent. Maybe we're less fooled by marketing. Um, there's these amazing possibilities. Uh, it's, it's an entirely new uh, world, right? So Neo learns, right, that he can hack the matrix, right? He can, he can break into the, uh, to the, to the, he can sort of break the programming. Um, and that's, that's, I think that's what we're engaged here uh, in doing in a sense, you know, you know, some of us more skillfully than, than others is, is breaking this program and, and opening up this, this new space, which is a dangerous, a dangerous business, right? It's a dangerous business. Um, so the good thing about the red, red revolution is that you can find John Verveke, uh, you know, Jordan Hall, you can find all these great thinkers. You can find this alternate universe of, of, of people like-minded people like, like you. And we're like people on the Nebuchadnezzar, right? In, in this, in this, wild sea of chaos while there's pandemics raging around us um and you can be authentic you can be raw you can do your own thing um you can uh you can be a bit rock and roll you know <laughs> you know you don't have to be so polite in this new medium on one hand there's the cancel cultures and then there, on the other hand there's this you know there's this there's this dialectic going on against that so there's so there's increased conformity and then uh, you know this this uh, this um new possibilities arising um so so that's 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 the media aspect um and uh you know so um you know it, it's a dangerous space okay it, it could destroy you uh and 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 we're all kind of lost in it in a certain extent to a certain extent so what do we do um, well, I don't know, but le let me just sort of share a, just a little bit of my personal story, uh, s some of my personal story. Um, and, and, 
where I kind of identify with, with Neo here. Okay, so um, 2014, I was an editor at, at a job and I didn't like my job very much. Uh, it, was, it was sort of humiliating to work with these people who, you know, treated me like an idiot. And, and uh, you know, the job, it was, it was a bit like Neo in the beginning of the film when he, was, he, he has this stupid boss. And, and I, I felt like that. I felt really trapped in, in circumstances, but you know, I was a wage slave. I needed money and I had to pay for my, pay my bills and my rent. And, um, and uh, uh, what I found out actually was that, you know, this, the, the job I was working at was a bullshit job. In, in other words, I was being hired to do something that was redundant just so that somebody else, um, uh, you know, just, just so that somebody else wouldn't take a contract. So everybody was doing this sort of redundant job. And, and I had a quota, I had to work like, uh, I had to, I had to, I had to write, I had to write a, a, this program every day. And I could usually finish the job, the job in two hours. So I finished in two hours and then I had eight hours to surf the internet. <laughs> so, so, um, so I was like writing and I was doing all these things, you know, when I, I should have been working and, and I was sort of hacking into the matrix. And eventually I, I started writing poems and, and all these things. And then I started meeting all these people and this whole other world opened up to me. So, so I think that, that we can identify with, with, with Neo in this film. Um, uh, I think we can identify with that, you know, if we're creative types and if, if we want to do something, something new and something interesting that is, that is, uh, you know, not like other people. And um, so, uh, there's more to say about that. Um, but let me just, you know, change gears a little bit. I'm jumping around a lot here. But I want to I talk about the bear shaman. So, you know, I don't know a lot about original shamanism, but, but originally the this shamanism, the word shaman comes from Siberia. And there was something called the bear shaman. So um, what does the bear shaman do? Okay. The bear shaman leaves the tribe. He goes out into the wilderness and he studies the bear, okay? Um, he lives and breathes and is possessed by the bear. He dresses in bear skins. He, he, he learns how to move like the bear. He dances like a bear. He, he, he almost tries to seduce the bear and he comes very close to the, this very dangerous animal, right? Um, eventually, you know, in the mythology, he gets eaten by the bear, right? He gets swallowed up by the matrix. He gets, he gets killed. Um, he gets eaten, right? So this is the shamanistic journey. First, it's, it's a crucifixion. You have to get eaten. You have to be destroyed so that the new, new man, the Neo, the new man can, 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 can arise. Um, so he, he gets eaten by the bear and then he gets consumed and digested and the bear shits him out. And he comes back to his community and he's an entirely new sort of being at this point. He's become powerful. He's become down to earth. He's become practical. Uh, he, he, he's, and he has a very practical function and that is to help the tribe hunt the, the bear so that they have sustenance so they can eat. So he actually, he actually saves the world in a sense. He saves his tribe, um, you know, and, and, you know, through this very um, unusual, you know, way, way of doing that. Um, so this is, again, what we, I think what, what I'm going to, you know, be a little provocative and say, this is what we need to do. We need to become possessed by this something terrible, something beautiful, something dangerous. And then we have to go and confront that. And then we have to, we have to find the bear. Um, 
spiritually speaking or um okay and that this this is this is you know this is means training this means um you have to become both a mystic and you have to become very very pragmatic uh-huh um, you have to be an artist, but you also have to be pra- a practical down-to-earth person. We have to lose our fear. We have to lose our fear of offending the blue church, right? Offending the superego of the, of the civilized world. We have to go a little crazy. We're going to go a little crazy, right? That's, that's what being in a state of spiritual possession is about. We go nuts. Um, we're never going to survive unless we go crazy. That's some, a line from some song from the 90s. I think it was seal um anyway we have to go crazy we have to get eaten by the bear um we have to you know we have to we have to um there's 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 always in the shamanistic journey there's a death and a rebirth okay and we can do that consciously gert chef uh the famous philosopher talks about conscious suffering we can do that consciously or you know, or we can just be eaten by the bear unconsciously or swallowed by the matrix you know, or, or whatever. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's important, you know, when you're talking about shamanism, that it's, it's not something that you can market or sell. <laughs> it's not something for, 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 for general consumption because it's, because it's dangerous. Um, and so you shouldn't promise, you know, anything, right? Uh, 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 you shouldn't market uh, the shaman's uh, techniques or gimmicks or personal development um, because, it, it, you just you just can't mass produce wisdom in that in that sense um, you just can't so um, so the, you know the community often centers around the shaman even if the shaman isn't in the center of the community but but it, it requires right um, it, it requires uh, an intimate community um, not not a mass organization um, it re- requires a kind of you know a modern um, tribe or the Buddhists would say Sangha. Um, so, you know, so th- the thing is that you have to do it not for money, but for love, you know, in the etymological sense, right? Uh, amateur, amateur and amateur, that amateur means to love. You do it for love, you know, um, uh, so it's, it's a passion project. Um, so if you follow the advice of the shaman, you will get eaten by the bear. So, you know, it's like, it's like what Morpheus is, is, is saying. Do you, do you really want to know what the matrix is? Do, do we really want to know how much truth can we handle? And do we really want to know the, the truth? Do we really want to, you know, swallow the, the red pill? Um, because, first of all, it's hard to find a real shaman. And most of those people who call themselves shaman are, are fakes, I would say. You know, uh, avoid anybody who uses the label shaman, you know, stay the hell away from me because I've had the gumption to talk about shamanism, you know, who the hell am I to talk about shamanism, um, and stay away from the California guru types and stay away from all that, you know, um, I would say I've met one or two people that I consider to have shamanistic qualities and they would never describe themselves as shamans. So I'm talking about the archetype. Um, I'm not talking about some retro romantic, worship of some culture or that's you know actually less primitive than we imagine so anyway i hope the siberian shaman will forgive me for cultural appropriation here um also that just just what we need to the lesson of the shaman is that we need to train the mind and body you know and not become destroyed by this information tsunami not become destroyed by the matrix 
because you have to be tough not to have your soul destroyed <laughs> out there, I think. Um, so, so, you know, again, we have to become philosophers, mystics, poets. Um, we have to have, we have to educate ourselves. You know, the shaman's project is educational. It's, he's the, he's the Uber, um, teacher in a sense. Um, and he doesn't teach by making you copy him. He teaches by sending you out to do, to do things which are challenging for you to keep you on your, on the edge of being challenged all the time. So, so personally, you know, my, my own practice, shamanistic practice is not called shamanism at all. It's, I, I call it meditation. Um, which I think if I, I don't meditate, I, I can't survive here in this world because, because, because I would just become overwhelmed by, by the matrix because the matrix gets more and more intense, more and more dangerous, more and more, um, you know, more and more it's, it's hard to be a, a, a real human being um, in, this, in this age. So it's just like, I, I'd say meditation is the best shamanistic technique because it's, it's a beginning. It's, it's, it's what we need to do to have clear minds, you know, it's just like they invented jogging so that because people are sitting in offices all day long today, we're on the internet all the time. So we need to step out. We need to go out into the forest, out into the wilderness. We need to get the hell out of, you know, this, this, this zoom world that we're in right now. Um, and we need to get in touch with, with the body. So I think shamanism is a very embodied process. Um, so the first, the first step in, in the shamanistic training is to, is to know yourself, but also know your body, know your mind, know who you are and become a, a, a strong and let's say responsible, you know, citizen. Um, and one of the dangers is that, you know, people who have these, these shamanistic qualities are, you know, often become you know, narcissistic or, or, or dangerous people be again, because they don't have the proper, uh, training. So we have to we have to face the desert of the real. We have to face the real, um, and then you know maybe the the blue flowers, the mushrooms uh, start to you know the world becomes enchanted again. But in the beginning, there's this there's this um, there's this shock of the real. So uh, I've been speaking for uh, maybe forty five minutes, just under an hour. I don't know how long have I been speaking for. Um, I think I'm going to stop there and open the the whole thing up for. For Q and A. Okay. Does anybody have any questions? Uh, okay. But you're still you're still you still muted them. You have to unmute them, Andrew. Yep. We are unmuted. We are unmuted. All right. Okay. They're becoming okay. unmuted. Some people are perhaps we still muted. We can all talk. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. What have been significant shaman shamanistic shaman ceremonies that that you uh, know of? Um, again, that this is this is. My, my expertise is, you know, is, is not in, in the domain of pure shamanism. My expertise is in tantric Buddhism. So, so I've definitely been involved in, in, in shamanic type feast practice, we would call it. Um, and, uh, and so that's, that's what I know about. And, you know, I've, I've been to a couple smokes, you know, house ceremonies in, in Canada, but, but I'm not an expert on indigenous shamanism and I, I don't really have answers to those type of questions. So, so I, I apologize for that. I'm talking about the archetype of the shaman here and the shamanoid personality um, rather than, than the, you know, the details of, of uh, shamanic ceremony. That was Chris. So thank you for your question, Chris. Somebody else have a question? You can type it in the, in the, uh, in the Q and A. 
or just speak it? I have one question, Andrew. So again, yeah. about these internet tribes and the relationship to shamans and neophytes. So how, how would you explain that? Is there a correlation there or like how would you, how do you observe that? Because you're what, talking... What do you mean by neophytes? Yeah, like, like the, the, the guys who want to, to learn from, from the shaman, right? Yeah. Uh, the initiates. Again, uh, I, think, I think what we can see in the Matrix movie is, is, is Neo has a longing. He has a desire to meet the shaman. And I think that does all the work. Sounds kind of cliche to say that, but you, the longing does all the work. The desire to break the question, to, to answer this, these questions does, does all the work and, and leads you to the people you need to meet. Uh, uh, to liberate yourself from whatever you know experience you have um, that imprisons you, so I'd say that the longing, uh -huh, the desire, the the you know the the deep the deep desire is, is is getting in touch with that is 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 you know maybe most of the work. Okay, let me be more precise. Could it, okay. could an internet tribe be a shaman? No. I don't think so. Okay. I think I I I I think I think that I think that it it could be a a, a portal uh, to to something, but it couldn't be you couldn't do you couldn't do actually you couldn't do the work on the internet absolutely not because it's a more embodied process. Okay. If I, if I could pop in a question, I haven't uh, and sure. I thought of whether or not there is uh, a distinction between the shaman. And kind of the master in a traditional sense. In some way, the master who might be the teacher at a temple mm -hmm. where students come, acolytes come in mass to learn to polish their own mirror is a different distinction from sort of the 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 Obi-Wan Kenobi or um, the the person who the the master who's left and out there. You're not gonna find them unless you're really hunting. They're not at the temple. And in no. some sense, they're going to be reluctant to take you on unless they're unless you're committed to it, right? They're going to the story of the of the Zen master who like the student comes to him and is like, no, go away, go away, go away. Takes him out to the on a boat in the river and holds him underwater and says <laughs> until he's about to die. And he says, when you want the teaching as badly as you wanted that next breath, then you can learn. There's something about the distinction of of the master at the temple versus the shaman who is like you said more embodied and more serious is there well, yeah i would say that the master at the temple requires the tradition the traditional hierarchy and 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 uh, you know there's nothing wrong with the master at the, the temple but he's the priest not the shaman uh, uh whereas the shaman as, as you you just described it you know you know you know perfectly you you, you have to you have it's, it's a life or death thing right um uh you know, you don't, you don't, you might meet the shaman, but you won't really meet the shaman unless, unless you're in a life or death kind of situation. Probably not. At least that's what I think. Okay, I have a question. Can you hear me? Mm -hmm. um, you explained this uh, metaphor from um, Matrix, the movie with yep. the red pill, and you said that, or you cited, quoted. Um, Morpheus, who said um, that um, you have to experience the matrix, and then you um, explained about the um, media, the red pill media and the blue church. Um, do you see a new quality here in terms of experience in this um, metaphor? In the, in the media landscape? Yes. Well, I think there's more bandwidth 
and that therefore there's more po possibility um, to go into depth uh -huh. on certain yeah. subjects. And that, yes. it might be intellectual. It might be merely intellectual. Like, because I think the shamanism stage is, is kind of beyond the intellectual learning at some point. Like, but 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 it doesn't mean that it's. But but you don't have this this rich sort of, you know, possibility. And and then. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a, it's it's a good question. What is what what can, because because, for me, like I, I think the internet uh, and and all the stuff that people do on the internet, uh, you know, it, it's a giant chaotic monster, you know, uh, that that you know that eats you up, that that can swallow your 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 soul or or something like that, and and so that I, whatever you can do to become a, a warrior, or a fighter, or or you know, in, in that world, otherwise you can't you can't. You can't survive there you you, you know <laughs> you just get you just get swallowed up um do you also think about uh, transhumanist ideas like i don't know um this musk um i don't how is it called the neuralink or something like that in a shaman way or um <laughs> that uh, you get new trans qualities yeah yeah um i think that i think that i i think that the shamanic space is a transcendental space probably um and you might i mean if you look at this this the image i i told you about the, the you know the shaman and the bear right where he he has to go in and, and face the bear and, and become the bear and that, that's i guess that's he's he's transcending his his mere humanism and moving into the animal realm um, in order to get powers from the animal realm. Uh, so, so, so that's kind of arch an archaic example. Um, but if you could think of the internet as, as a bear or something, is that you can go, you can go in there and get swallowed up and then, and then, and get powers and then go, get out of it again and go back to your community with whatever sort of magical or mystical powers you might have. Um, picked up i have a question mm -hmm. <laughs> so i i was inspired when you said oh a lot of things that you talked about but um when you said i can't survive without meditating mm -hmm. and i came to a point i'm working with yeah putting all different types of groups into digitalization for empowerment but sometimes I come to a point with, this, of course, the physical realm and all this. I won't say I'm a shaman or whatever, but this is what I need to, to live. But I came to a point this summer when I was like, I need my own oxygen mask. You know, like they say on a plane, put it on mm -hmm. first and then on your kids or whoever you want to. Because without oxygen, you, you won't be of any help, right? Mm-hmm. So I was taking by the thing that you said, well, w without uh, meditation, I can't survive. And I think uh, that also brings you out of the ego, right? If you meditate, you, you, you go deeper into... Yeah. Yeah. I think the shamanistic journey is all about an ego death of, of some sort. I don't know if you can get there through meditation. But but at least meditation will open up a space 
where you might know what to do. Or you would have more, you have more skill about what to do because you're, you're not completely overwhelmed by, you know, by, by, by all this information from external information coming in also, also by your subconscious mind flooding, flooding, flooding your, your mind. So you have, you have to, uh, you have to step back and be able to see that. And, 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 and you have to, you have to get to know your mind on some level and, and find that, that how infinite your mind actually is. And, uh, and, and, re and rest in that and be very still with that. Otherwise, I, I just think there's too much, there's just, there's, there's too much uh, dis distraction in, in this world is that you tend to be, get so easily, um, easily diverted from what really is important or, or what really matters or what is really meaningful. So I don't know if me meditation is like, I think it's a first step. And it's also like, it, it, it's a first step is, is, is just being able to observe um, the, the, the most fundamental thing. And that is your, what's happening in, in your experience in your body. I think. Um, and then, and then probably, probably the, the ego death and this, this experience is, 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 it's not something that you can kind of provoke, but, but, but you might get little clues here and there. It's, it's kind of funny how we, how we resist uh, all of that, right? At the same time, I was just thinking, I'm saying all this stuff, but I was thinking about how much I resist um, the gravity of, of, of reality, you know, reality and, 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 and do all the things that I'm preaching that um, against <laughs> in some way, so. Andrew, I have a, I have a kind of a, another aspect of this. I think uh, there, this is help, actually helping me with my own kind of a sense of understanding of this. Um, something like the priest and the meditative approach is something like, you know, I've heard it said many times that meditation won't bring you enlightenment, but it can make you, uh, so enlightenment's an accident. Meditation can make you accident prone. <clears throat> so there's something like the priest method, the, the careful approach to this, the, the meditation and all of that can kind of polish the mirror and perhaps make you, um, bring you to the point of act, being able to face the infinite and, and, and kind of obliterate the shadow or something like that. Um, Maybe. And, and the shaman seems to be the kind of person who recognizes You, you the don't want to obliterate the shadow, you want to integrate the shadow. That's just, I think Okay, good, good. Yeah. You have to be careful when you talk about obliterating the shadow because, yeah. Yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, I, I don't mean I don't mean to uh, push it out. I mean, a, a integration is much better. Because um, that's why the shaman's not a saint. He's 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 more like an ordinary person. You know, he might have <laughs> the people I know have shamanistic qualities. They they might have you know they might be a little bit rude or they might they have human qualities. They're not they're not. Um, well, the thing that the thing that seems interesting is that um, the shaman having integrated shadow to maybe completely but a, to a large extent can recognize when there's a maybe um in the person when there's a shadow that is ready to be integrated but you know just a nudge just a like the rude comment sort of a, a tap on the head or whatever it's like the the someone who may not have been preparing themselves to be um accident prone but is still nonetheless accident prone just by the nature of life 
So the shaman kind of walks in the street or, you know, in that and can see more clearly. Um, yeah, just a, a slight nudge or just something. And yes, now, now you've got, now you've got some shadow that you can integrate where you didn't see it before. And, and I'm kind of curious. I mean, there does seem to be something like at this point in time, more people are accident prone without actually having engaged in any practice just because of this, the, the intensity of life circumstances are pushing us to the point of if we don't start integrating shadow, um, then the shadow will consume us. Is that, yeah. Does that fit? Well, the, maybe it's like the 1960s when, when the whole the, the entire, you know, young population of America took LSD <laughs> and you know and, and that 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 and, and the and the internet is LSD right and that's what's happening to people so so yeah everything everything all, all kinds of craziness comes to the surface um, I like this term accident prone yeah because I think that I, I think that it's 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 good to be a bit accident prone it's uh, to allow accidents to happen right not have too much control of your life um. If I may jump in with a text question here. Sure. Why does your description of a contemporary shamanic journey look remarkably like your own chosen spiritual practice? What if shamanism required of you a radically different path or practice? Um, could be. Uh, could be. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to express, uh, you know, I, I, again, I, I tried to, I, I said at the beginning that I'm, I, I'm not talking about pure shamanism. I'm not talking about shamanistic traditions because I think they're rich and varied. I think they're incredibly rich and varied in shamanistic traditions. And, and I, wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to, to talk about any other kind of experience except for my own. So, so when it comes, at least when it comes to shamanism. So on one hand, I'm being very universal. I'm talking about the archetype of shamanism, you know, because I think we can recognize the, the, this, this, this crazy wisdom character, you know, in, even in pop culture, right, in, 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 uh, in Neo and stuff. And on the other hand, I'm, only, I'm, I'm trying only to speak from my own uh, experience and, 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 you know, and relationships with people who who I consider to be shamanic in, in, in style, um, and and I haven't described that because I, I don't think I can. I mean, it's 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 too wild a thing really to to describe or talk about on the internet. There's two things. You see, this is not really a question, Andrew, but uh, maybe something will maybe something will come up for you. But there's two things that you said which have reminded me very much of um, reading Castaneda's accounts of his time with Don Juan, with, with yeah. Don Juan, and what you said about um, you know orienting yourself as a warrior. You know, the, the Don Juan says exactly that. The the, the, the mm -hmm. Um, only as a warrior can you withstand the path of knowledge because every act must be performed absolutely as though it is your last on this earth. You know, that only, only in that sort of frame of mind or frame of being, I should say, do you, you know, do you bring the necessary power to your act to act as a shaman? The other thing was the, um, the sort of transcendental nature of the shamanistic experience because one of the, in one of their dialogues, he explains to him that, you know, you have your, it's, you have your 
everyday world. You have, you know, you assemble your everyday world. This is what you're habituated to doing. What I've been trying to do with you is to give you experience of the sorcerer's interpretation of the world so that you can assemble that version of the world. But the real goal is the space between those interpretations. Is that mm. that's the real goal? Yeah. Yeah, in the liminal space, like the shaman lives in the liminal space, right? And, and, and you, you, you'll never understand what he's really about, uh -huh. but, uh, but, but, but he's, he's giving you a kind of a gift for you to work, work with and, and figure out, you know, and then to assimilate with whatever shamanistic qualities you might have or might have and be able to develop in the future. Uh -huh. Because you know, most of us are not at that level of, of absolute devotion and warrior to warriorship that being a, you know, master shaman would be. Most of us have this as an ideal or as an image direction we want, want to go in. And, and we're in this in-between world. And, and, but we have to be very humble and think of ourselves as students. Um, I, I think the danger, maybe I didn't express it very well, but the danger of this, the California guru shaman thing is that, is that, is that uh, people, people, take these 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 powers and, and use them in a, in a form of manipulation um to manipulate people and and that kind of thing and and um and i and i and i and i i think that um i think that i think that yeah there, there's there's you have in order to, to to take that kind of path you have to be very 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 humble and you have to very be very much a student and and um and, and devote yourself as a student um, so, so I think so, you'll point that anyone who anyone who calls themselves a shaman absolutely for certain yeah stay the hell away from them and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel very pretentious talking about 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 sh shamanism um uh except that i think i think there is a universal quality to 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 it there's a, there's an archetypal quality to, to what the shaman is and that's worth talking about um in a storytelling sense, right? In a pop culture sense. And that's perhaps why I use the, the, the Matrix movie to, to illustrate that. Because it's something we can, uh, archetypal patterns are things that we can all recognize. Um, or we could even say that they, they lead, you know, I mean, because, um, yeah, because, the, and the, that, that leads you beyond the recognizable, beyond the, the cliche, beyond the, um, um, be, beyond the, the world you know, right, into an entirely different reality. So, so you're, you're, there's a transformative, transformative process that, that this kind of teacher brings you, brings you to, uh, puts you on, on the path towards, if that makes sense. You actually left out the best bit of the um, clip of matrix of the of, of morpheus and neo meeting where he talk, you know he talks about you know, what is real if by real you mean you know the, the then it's just electrical impulses arriving at your brain um and mm -hmm. uh, yeah that. yeah 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 what what is uh, yeah so so uh so on, on one sense you have to hit the you have to you have to you have to experience the real. On the other, on the other sense, the real is not something that you would recognize in any way, as 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 your ordinary humdrum kind of reality. So, Andrew, um, you say that real shamans are incredibly rare. So, I'm mm -hmm. I'm wondering uh, what we're supposed 
what we're what we're supposed to do. Um, I've had experience uh, with someone who called herself a shaman, although she was quite she was quite clear that she was just a fellow traveller and, and saw herself as an assistant. And certainly I felt that it was my, the experience that I had was the real revelation, not the shaman. The shaman was just there as a, a, a wise and supporting person, not a, not a leader, not a guru to look up to, but someone who was, who was just, you know, useful in, in mm -hmm. what was an extraordinarily disruptive and breaking frame experience. There was a, uh, a need for assistance and support through that difficult experience. Mm -hmm. Well, if somebody is giving you genuine assistance and support, I'd say that that's good. And, and we don't need to be like, we don't need to be hung on the, up on the definition of, of, of something. If, if your experience was, was real, um, with this person and this person had certain kind of skills they, they might have had sort of shamanic, sh shamanic skill, qualities and skills and, and that's that's great I mean uh, but uh, so uh, so I, I don't want to present myself as an expert on you know you look for this and this and you will find a, a shaman and this is how we this is what a shaman is because again I think it's a mysterious it's an absolutely mysterious process that is completely reliant on on, uh, on grace in a sense so so we can't really search we can't re really search for for a shaman i think the shaman has to be searching for you and then and then and then and then you might meet them by accident <laughs> but uh, i could be wrong So I could throw in another written question. When we have so many disappointments and betrayals by shaman gurus, is there a new better shaman tribe relationship? Is there a better shaman tribe relationship? Yes. Um, I, I don't know. Like, it's funny that I, like, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea, really. I, I really don't know. So, so, so I could pretend that I know and pretend to give an answer about that, but how would I know? I mean, uh, I, I mean, any more than, than, than you. I mean, I, I get the sense that, um, that okay, it's, the, the idea of the shamanistic personality is interesting. That's an interesting that there may be four to five percent of the population has this kind of quality of, of being shamanistic types of humans. Um, and, and so how do we cultivate, how do, how do they cultivate that? My answer would be, uh, uh, um, um, that you, you have to have good teachers um you have to have so so if you try to go out and cultivate it on, on your own you're, you're just going to get lost that's my sense you know and and but i mean and, and there are exceptions probably there's a few people who who sort of you know can figure it out on their own but but that's pretty pretty i think that's pretty rare so uh so so um you have again in in the film the matrix and neo he's he's gonna stay in the matrix uh, unless it, it, the crisis inside of him becomes so extreme that that he 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 has to he actually ha it's a life and death thing he has he has to find out what the matrix is like he has to want to know what reality is it has to be a burning question in him it has to be intense and absolute and and then and then and then then he will will meet then he'll meet morpheus 
but but if his question was a little lukewarm or or, or not very intense and and his suffering was just you know he could live with it and he had a you know okay life then he might as well take the blue pill and, and just you know have a good time have a good life so it's not recommended right it's it's not something you recommend people it's not some it's not an educational program um i don't think it's just something we can observe you know and uh and 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 look at and study Okay, another question. Somebody asked, I'm in a group called Polymath Place, where we talk about the archetype of the polymath. This, uh, how is the correlation to the shaman? Um, I guess the polymath is a hyper-intelligent individual who can do many, many things. Um, often, I guess the shaman would be that, that type of person, probably. Uh, uh, but he might be a complete, uh, you know, might have like a very low IQ, he might be sort of a, he might be kind of, uh, you know, dull, he might be kind of dull and ordinary as well. Like, I don't think, I don't think, again, the whole point is that you can't, there's no formula for, for what the shaman uh, is in particular. He could be all kinds of things like, like uh, so, so I don't think that, I mean, maybe I'm just talking my, my head off here. So I, I don't think it's, it's necessarily the intelligent, you know, the, the polymath, the genius. Um, but, it, but it could be. Does that make any sense? I feel I feel like I've, I've I've answered your question poorly. I apologize, but I, I, I no 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 that makes like a little sense at least. So that as, at sense. least there is some <laughs> at least uh, there is some correlation of people uh, like actually uh, trying to get as much experience and uh, and knowledge about the world and how things works. I think so, but I don't know how much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I would probably say that a shaman maybe needs to work on different levels of reality. So probably he would have to have different skills on different levels of reality. Different, you know, he could, he could, he could, um, if that makes any sense. So, you so know, that it, might it, be it, a different. It's interesting, there's a, there's, a, there's a thought that the, uh, that the, the polymath or the scientist or the, the, there's might be kind of a wizard level at the propositional level level. Mm -hmm. And it seems like the shaman is a wizard at the participatory level. Um, I, that's a, that's yeah, a, I, I think he's more than an intellectual. He might have really incredible intellectual, you know, ability, but, but if you, if he's just in a mere intellectual, then he probably hasn't, he's, his knowledge hasn't become embodied in a sense. Um, you know, there's a lot of intellectuals that just are, haven't come down to the earth uh, at all. They haven't gone through this, uh, let's say, crisis, uh, you know, uh, the embodied crisis that you have to go to to become embodied. But Jen says, I would think the polymath is an intellectual rather than the shaman who is participatory. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with that. 
I'll take one more one more piece here. I think this is interesting, with especially with the notion of the matrix as an allegory for Plato's cave, and something about that you mentioned with Verveke, um, Plato's cave, uh, escaping the cave isn't necessarily stepping into the light, but actually stepping into hell. Yeah. And there's something that I've that I've had a sense of Plato's cave is a good allegory as well for what happens basically in a neuron. A neuron is sitting, trying to perceive reality. And at the point that something breaks down, it must step out of the cave, fire, but like the warrior, be willing to die, right? To, to explode all knowledge and open oneself to com a complete new present moment reality. Mm -hmm. But that sure. firing that happens um, over and over again is a, is a kind of a thing that one must be willing to do. So in a, in a way, what I, you know, it ties back to a comment that I made earlier that we don't stop being a copper top. The neuron is a copper top. It has a it has a potential that's stored, waiting for the moment when it votes yes to something and gives its life fully to the moment, to 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 illuminate the moment from from some new perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, I guess I guess the, the Platonic view is it's always an ascent into something higher and higher and higher, and it's. You know, and and that you know, ascent towards the ideal. Um, whereas, whereas, I think what Neo in the in the Matrix experiences a descent, right? Um, and that that the, the, the it's the descent that's the beginning of the journey, right? Um, um, uh, um, if that makes. If that rings true. And actually looking at what um, Jamie Wheel has kind of illuminated in um, stealing fire with the flow genome, it actually is a kind of a sine wave. There is a, a hill climb and a descent um, that is the flow process, but then there's kind of a dark night of the soul, which is the integration which comes back. So it's so what I think I was saying before about the sense that people people's life circumstance may have already put them in the point of the tipping point of stepping into a flow state and the shaman can kind of detect oh yeah you're you're just at the edge of a flow state all you need is a nudge in this direction cool you're now you're now in the flow state whereas the the acolyte really is striving to put himself in the position to be ready to go into the flow state. So I think that I think it does the cycle kind of the, both. It includes both the ascent and the descent um, in a cyclic path rather well, than. Well, it's it's not just a flow state. It's a disruption as well. It's something jarring and, and you know, because the flow state is it flows. But but it, but uh, when when Neo takes the red pill, he he goes through the mirror and everything is shattered and broken. Um, it's not that he enters into flow. He enters into total. He you know, he enters. He becomes. He he's. He dissembles himself, right? And later, actually, he he, he learns the, the you know he learns the martial arts and he becomes kind of a, a master at flow. But um, you know, I'm I'm more, I'm less interested in flow than interested in this 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 um, what what we what do we do at this moment of, of crisis? Because it's 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 relevant, right? Because we're living a we're living a collective crisis. We're living a crisis in our own lives and. You know, you know, uh, um, how how much uh, how 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 
can we look at this crisis, you know, in, in the face and, and, and what, what's going to happen then? You know, are we going to become dissembled? And um, I see it happening at a collective level and I can also, you know, the, at a microcosmic level and also in, in, the, in, the, in the macrocosmic. And there seems to be this, this crisis at the heart of things and, and the crisis is, is, what, is how we actually and facing this death, right? Facing this death and disappointment and, and brokenness is, is really um, how we become resurrected as become the new man, right? Neo means new man. I think, I think the shamanistic journey was is, is always about, about um, uh, experiencing this death and fragmentation and So there's an interesting question. You mentioned Nietzsche. How's good old Mr. Fritz, I think, a shaman, Andrew? Nietzsche, I think Nietzsche is, it was a shaman, but he didn't have a master. He didn't have a shaman master. That's why he, he died so tragically. And that's why he went mad in the end. That's why he went crazy. That's why he was on his knees talking to horses just before he died. Because he... Um, because he had that quality within himself, that really, you know, radical quality. Um, but, but, but I don't think the container of the, of the man could, could handle it. And I, and I don't think he had, he probably didn't have a teacher who could teach him how to handle it. You know, even on a physical level, he was always sick and, you know. So he talked about the Superman and the Overman, but he, he, he became very decrepit and alone and, you know, there's there's the schizophrenic quality to Nietzsche, right? He couldn't be with a woman, he couldn't have a, um, he couldn't. So so he. Um, but again, one of the most brilliant minds uh, of our time, and that's the tragic thing is when there's no context um, for such a person to become to be fully to fully develop into. And I think I, this is interesting, uh, actually, in terms of the West, because. We always have these people who die young in the West because they don't have, like even the Christian, the Christian, Jesus died very young, right? He didn't, maybe Jesus needed a, um, I don't know, maybe he, maybe, maybe, maybe the crucifixion, uh, maybe Jesus uh, would have had a full life if he, he had, he had, he had been able to, um, uh, meet a, a master shaman. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a, a wild conjecture. Please forgive me. I, I, I'm fond of making wild uh, conjectures. But the question is, I've read that somewhere that uh, the theory floating around that um, good old Fritz was tra self-transformative in terms of King's model of development. And so how, if that would be true, how would you relate Fritz, Jonas. hold on, Fritz. Fritz Friedrich Nietzsche. Friedrich Fritz. Oh, you, you call him Fritz. Uh -huh. He he was what? So I say that again. I didn't. I didn't well, self-transformative in terms of this uh, developmental stage model of Robert Keegan, right? And uh -huh. so, like, is there or do you see a relationship between shaman shamans and stages of development? Um, I think there's, I think there's, there, there are stages of development probably in, in, in a, a, a person training to be a shaman. I think, in fact, I think it's a never ending um, development. I don't think there's, 
there's a final there's an end point to to uh, to the process of of uh, of, of developing. Um, and maybe a, a shaman is somewhere like somewhere like a shaman. It's a very primordial thing, and, and there were shamans in early societies. But I would, I would, I, would, I wonder if shaman is a very advanced form of development as well, which we'll see more and more in in the, in the future. I mean, I wonder if we will. But again, people have to have intrinsic qualities which match their intellect and knowledge, you know, uh, uh, and, and wisdom. So um, there has to be people like that. When you mention uh, <clears throat> the Matrix, I don't remember the name of the guy who sold himself out. Yeah. Um, to go back into the Matrix. Um, the Judas of the Matrix, the, the guy. Yeah, who, yeah. He was eating steak with uh, the robot overlords, and he he betrayed his his friends. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He betrayed his friends for an illusion, right? Uh, yes. Uh, 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 he preferred the the, the 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 comfortable illusion um, to 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 the painful and difficult quest. Right? Cipher, they say. Uh, yeah. Yeah, cipher exactly. So so it's so it's easy to say, oh, I will never be that. I'm so enlightened. I've come so far. Yeah. But it's it is so easy to to see something as an uh, epiphany. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. Like someone said, how would you know if it's real? If this is so, I. Uh, well, I think we're all the, the the people in the matrix. We're not just like we're part of us is Neo, and part of us is is Trinity. Yeah. Part of us is is Cipher, and and part of us is uh, is uh, in, you know the the robot. Right? Part of us is very mechanical. So we have all these sub personalities and, and potentials in us. Um, that's another interesting thing about the the shaman because the shaman is not really an individual. He's very he's very much an individual, but he's not an individual. He. He embodies all of the subpersonalities, I think. Like, like, uh, like. So, so, um, um, you know. I, again, I'm, I'm referring to Gurdjieff, who said that you know we have all these subpersonalities. We have all these, you know, different parts of ourselves, and, and part of ourselves betrays our, our better nature. Part of ourselves is a betrayer. We do it all the time when we betray our, our, you know our better instincts and part of us yeah we have this heroic um uh nature and we also have this we, ha we have the feminine yeah the feminine a trinity is very interesting it's very interesting the, f the feminine is, is sort of is is kind of like provokes the desire um uh, for the masculine to embody itself or something like that Trinity inspires Neo to, and leads him to Morpheus. So in the traditional sense, um, the shaman world is always ambiguous. So there are the higher realms and the lower realms. Mm -hmm. um, when you say um, this matrix uh, um, metaphor, 
you say it's the real life is the desert, the real desert. Um, why do you prefer this um, interpretation? Um, well, I, I think that, that that's like, why do I prefer that, that interpretation to what? I'm not sure if I fully understand your question. To, to let's say that, that the real is, is a higher reality or something like that, you mean? Yeah. The, well, because, you, because the full journey is, is, is through the underworld and then out again, right? You can't just get, get to the, 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 the higher, higher. Oh, right? okay. So, think, so you I see think, it as a process. That, it's a process, yes. yes. Exactly. Okay. It's a process. So he has to go through this crucifixion, crisis, depression, darkness. He has, he has to experience that. Um, fully right and then he'll 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 be he'll be um then he'll merit then he'll become warrior like or or altru altruistic like or brave enough that that he would merit uh that the higher realms perhaps okay thank you yeah it's not that it's not that uh well the, the you know there's an interesting question as he takes the red pill and not the blue pill. Why is this other world more real than the world before? And 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 um, uh, well, because it's it's the inner it's the inner devastation that 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 he he sees when he sees that the world he see he sees the devastation. I, I think I think I, Zach Stein calls it experiencing the tragic. You know, we have to experience the tragic before we get to the post tragic. So we have to experience that on some level. Um, it would be nice to be able to skip, skip the tragic, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I don't think that, that we can re really do that in this world. Can we? Is there an ego death in matrix? I don't recall the whole movie. Is there something like similar? Uh, well, I know there's the, um, the, the, there's a sense that um what's her name the 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 um oracle tells neo you're not the one right he, he has to he has to he can't have an ego about being a shaman all <laughs> oh, right yeah you're not the one and he thinks he's you know because morpheus is telling him the one and then the oracle is telling him he's not the one um, so uh, perhaps he perhaps the danger would be to have a messiah complex you know, though he's the guy who's going to save the world. I sometimes wonder if Jordan Peterson had a bit of a messiah complex, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that that was what sort of brought him down in the, in the end. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, I have hey, a question. Hey, Thomas. Hey, man. Hello. Yeah, <laughs> nice talk. How are you? Thank you. I'm I'm good. The Matrix isn't that a bit of a Hindu movie? Hindu movie? Well, yeah. The Matrix is the, is the world of Maya or illusion or, or, or whatever. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm, I agree with Verveke. He said that it was a Platonist, right? Because mm -hmm. there's this discovery of the, the reality that is underlying conventional reality. Now, that's a Hindu idea. The Buddhists, they would rather see, um, they would rather see it as, as understanding that samsara and nirvana are the or same. One. Uh -huh, so yeah. what's what's your take on that? Uh, well, it's, see, I was I, I tried to watch the second and the third movie because I think it resolves <laughs> in the third movie in, on some level, but I couldn't stand the second and third movie. Like they were just so 
terrible, like the acting was so terrible that I, I couldn't get through the second and third movie to find out that if, if, if they actually get to this, like, I guess, uh, um, where, where actually this dualistic, you know, cause the matrix is do it's very, it's, it's a dualism, right? It's, it's like the world of samsara and the world of nirvana. And, and, you know, it's a dualistic worldview. There's a red pill, there's a blue pill, there's a world of illusion. There's what, whereas actually, yeah, there's, there should be a, there's, if, if, if the, the full story was, was told, I think at the end, then it would be one, uh, one world, right? Like, yeah, like, I, th I think there's, there's, a, there's a big difference between the, these ways of thinking, be between a, a Hindu stance where you're, you're trying to get to some kind of reality that is underlying this reality, and the Buddhist stance that is it's very different. And I think that many people um, are, I see many people doing practices that are going in those two directions. And well, this is kind of trying to escape the body kind of thing. And, and, and that's the sort of like yeah, non-dual yeah. traditions. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, think that's, I think that's one of the things that often happens. Yeah. I think this is a very interesting thing to, to, um, to look at. Um, these practices, do they have a Hindu slant or do they have a Buddhist slant? And you can't really combine them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, just just in terms of the film, I thought it's interesting that when he takes the red pill again, it's he doesn't find uh, uh, the truth. The world, the truth of the world, is is suffering. So that's very Buddhistic, right? Uh, this dissatisfaction. The truth of the world is not a Platonic world of ideals. Uh, the truth of the world is is is, is desolation and and dissatisfaction and suffering. And that's his actual existential situation. So, so that's very sutric and very Buddhist and very, um, and all that is very Buddhist. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I agree if the matrix, you know, this world of illusion. Okay. Well, there might be an argument for taking the blue pill as well, right? There's a red pill, and the blue pill, the red pill is the truth and the blue pill is the lie. Right. But you know, you should, the you, blue you should. pill. The blue pill would be working on the reality, your reality, the reality uh, that presents itself for you, rather than trying to become this revolutionary person and, and break out of that reality. Is, is so. Uh, so I, I. So sometimes I was like, think that it's yeah. There's it's this dichotomous um, view of the film, but I don't know if it re resolves itself in, in the later uh, in the later series. Does anybody know? Uh, uh, Sorry, Tom, Thomas, go ahead. A, a Buddhist would just take both pills? Yeah, right. Exactly. You would just uh, attack Morpheus and then you know, try to get both of the pills and then swallow them before he can stop you. Something yeah. like that. Perhaps, yeah. And maybe he would recognize that the Morpheus was playing a little bit of a trick on him. Uh -huh. Or, I don't know. Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm -hmm. But there is like, you know, there's this sort of interesting, um, uh, um, yeah, there's this interesting, uh, there's this interesting, um, you know, thing about, about choice, about, you know, we have this choice. Oh yeah, we just take, take both pills, okay? <laughs> and say, fuck you. <laughs> but, but, uh, but usually we, 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 we'll, we'll choose one path or the other. Uh-huh. Uh, and maybe the best thing, right, would be to 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 not to not, to, to to refuse to 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 um, to take to take the pills, to take both pills, and say, you know, both pills are are, are, are bullshit. There's just this. That would be probably more 
more Buddhistic. So how are we doing here? Can, how can we create tantric possibility during COVID isolation? Chris, are you still uh, with us? I've got some questions from Chris on the Q&A. Um, I don't know, tantric, tantric, I would say tantric possibility is any kind of situation uh, is, is, is a tantric possibility, just whatever, it could be COVID, it could be anything, any, any situation is a, is a tantric possibility. It's better not to, um, uh, they call it one taste. Andrew? Yeah, I think it's a good time to close this now. Sure. We, we nearly yeah. did two hours and I think you did a great job. Thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yeah. Hope we will do that again someday soon. That was fun. I'm sorry about the technical problems. Yeah, no. At the beginning, we're getting better at that and, and I hope we, we can resolve that in the future. And, and no, we will in any case. So there will be a couple of lectures coming up from uh, Thomas Bjorkman and Raoul Eshelman about performatism and Daniel Goetz, Aka, uh, Hansi Freinacht will come all this in, in October. So check out our site and um, please feel welcome to join in again. Thank you that you all were here and, and were participating on this lecture. Um, I wish you all a very good night and hope to see you again. Thank you. Thanks for, for hanging out. It was fun.